Welcome to the Retire While You Work podcast here in Nashville, Tennessee. We believe the concept of retirement in this country is fundamentally broken. We work ourselves to death and we miss out on so many of life's precious moments. I'm David Adams. I'm Carson Odom. I'm Miles Zuger. And together, as a team of certified financial planner professionals and CPAs, we're committed to helping free others from this antiquated mindset, using our three-bucket approach to managing money and finding creative ways to live now and retire while you work. Join us as we discuss a variety of financial topics and ways to help us change the way we think about time and money and which one of these is the true currency. Looks like we have people are coming in. A few more people are joining. Um, we will go ahead and get started. I'm David Adams. It's good to see everybody again. Um, I've got my friends, uh, Chris Doty and Tim Freeze, fellow advisors here as well, along with our special guests. But there's there's a lot of stress out there today, whether you know, you're listening to the news, um, anytime really you turn on your TV, unfortunately, social media, and just post-COVID, the, the, you know, adapting to the post-COVID world in general, it's been a lot of new stressors from that, getting back to the office, politics, I won't get started on that, inflation, whatever it is, you get the point. And I was joking with Tim and Chris um, just before, a few minutes ago, that, you know, as advisors, we feel like most days we're probably 80% therapists, Dr. Phil, if you will, um, and 20% financial advisors, especially during times of heightened emotional, you know, um, stressors out there, like, like I mentioned earlier. Um, but on a serious note, we do feel that part of our jobs is to help clients do all the different emotions, especially fear and greed as it affects the financial plan, but also family dynamics and everything else that, that comes in that realm. Um, so these topics are so very important. So that being said, today we have Michelle Norris. Many of you know, well, she's done, um, hello, Michelle. She's done a bunch of, uh, nutrition webinars with us since the beginning of COVID. She's been a blessing to us personally as advisors, our teams, and also our clients. Many of you know she is available. If you're a client of myself, Chris, or Tim's teams, we have her on retainer for some um, personalized coaching if that's something you're interested in. Some of our clients have taken advantage of that. Um, so she's here today. She's also joined by special guest Marina Randalls, who is a counselor and a therapist um, so we have two specialists today to tackle mental health and really just healthy patterns. What does a healthy pattern look like? How do we manage stress management um, or how do we manage stress effectively? Um, and then feel free to ask questions below at the bottom of your screen. We'll do our best, probably answer those to the end of, of the presentation, but we'll get to those. Um, and then I have, again, my friend, friends, Tim and Chris on here. I'll let them say a couple of words and then we'll have Michelle and uh, Marina take over. So Chris. Tim. Hey, David, thank you. Nice intro. And I do think the timing of this is, uh, is really perfect. And I know when we're dealing with our clients, we typically do a lot of educating, dealing with the stress of the markets and inflation and the examples that you gave geopolitical pressures and things like that with history, right? We go back in history, look at times when, when we lived through this, how it always feels different this time. Um, I think timing wise, this is great to see it on the mental side of things and the, you know, the, the mental health side of things, um, which would be perfect in the health and wellness lane. So again, trying to create balance with our clients and help them get through these difficult times. Um, so I'm excited to hear here, Michelle and Marina and, um, and, and ask some questions later. Yep. Great. Awesome. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, David. I appreciate it. I look forward to it as well, Michelle. Um, what's what we've found a lot of times is one of the antidotes to what's go been going on with a, a lot of mental stress we feel is gratitude. So one of the exact opposite parts of it is gratitude. So in this case, I'd like to start with just uh, going big. So take a moment, write down something if you can. Take a pen out and write down something you're grateful for over the last 30 days. It's extremely therapeutic. Just take a pen out, write down something um, and come up with what it is. 
write down fireworks, you know, family, weather, but just take a moment. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Go ahead and write it down. All right, that was about 20 seconds, but at any rate, now if you get a chance to share those with somebody, please do during the day. It's very important. So mine is family, uh, weather, fun before the fourth, um, clients as well. Just a, there's so many different things I'm grateful for and things that have driven me, but it really helps when I'm kind of feeling in a bad mood and, and whatnot to actually just look at all the things you're grateful for. A lot of times we're crying from the front of the yacht and we don't even realize it. So this is such a problem. Oh, except that it's it's not as much once you kind of minimize it that way. So with gratitude, that's one of the things that I'd like to share, if you will. And with that, let me go ahead and pass it back over to Michelle and begin the, the meat of our program. I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for that amazing introduction. We are so excited to be here. Um, so we are going to switch gears a little bit. I know I'm normally here to talk about nutrition, but today we are going to talk about stress. I think it's something that we all deal with, especially right now. We're going to talk about the difference between stress, um, excuse me, coping mechanisms and coping skills. What are those coping mechanisms that we all are so familiar with, the unhealthy ways that we deal with stress? And then hopefully today you guys will leave here with some healthy coping skills. I'm going to go ahead and share my screen. Marina and I are going to tag team this. I will tell you guys, Marina and I uh, were best friends in third grade and we uh, grew up together and then we kind of lost touch for like 15 years and then we both moved back to where we were from and reconciled a friendship and now I see her all the time and I am so blessed to work alongside her. Uh, my office in the functional medicine practice where I'm sitting right now is actually next door to her counseling office so that's super fun. So we do life together, we do church together, we um, are, she's getting ready to have a baby boy so we're going to raise our baby boys together but anyways I'm super excited to have her here. I think you'll love her. She has the sweetest spirit. Just one of those people that when you leave, your cup is more full than when you walked into the room with her. She has an amazing way of doing that to you. So hopefully today you guys will leave with your cup a bit more full than it is right now. All right. So let me find my slides. All right. Can I get a verbal from somebody that says you can see these? I can see him. Perfect. Okay. All right. Miss Marina, I'm going to let you chime in and get us started. Sounds great. Thank you, Michelle. It was quite an introduction. It is really sweet to be here and do these together. And then also just to be with you guys. Um, as Michelle mentioned, um, my name is Marina and I'm a licensed clinical mental health counselor associate um, at the Center for Family Transformation over in Davidson, North Carolina. Um, I work with a variety of clients. I work with um, lots of kids and adolescents and adults, you know, a wide spectrum of clients and truly specialize in depression, anxiety, and trauma. So I really enjoy this field and I am very excited to be with you guys to share something that I'm super passionate about, but also from what I'm hearing, this is good timing to talk about this topic. So hopefully it will be um, a gift to you all as well. So like Michelle said, we are going to be talking about two very important things that we all feel and that we all experience to some degree. So um, many of us have felt stressed or anxious in our life before. And if you haven't felt that, um, maybe you know somebody that has felt stressed or anxious um, before, but it's certainly pertinent and most prominent, you know, when the start of the pandemic, but now like um, with a lot of other concerns that are going on in our world today, we can certainly err on the side of having and holding a lot of stress. So while we know this about each other and about people I come in contact with, the majority of them that I do know and work with don't know how to cope well with the amount of stress that we are holding or the anxiety that we're experiencing. So over the time that we have together, the hope would be is to share with you ways to learn how to cope with these two things so you can function at a higher level than before than when we started this webinar. So let's start by talking about stress and anxiety and practical ways to cope. So I love sharing this particular slide that's coming up because I feel as though we can all relate to this. 
Um, maybe some of you guys have felt this way even just this morning of you just want to pull out your hair. And that is often what we can look like whenever we're feeling very stressed. So what is stress? I want to give you a brief introduction because I think it's really important to provide some psycho ed with you guys so then we can learn the importance of it to see how um, it can show itself and then what we can do with it. So stress is perception. Stress is one way that we respond to the day-to-day -day struggles and demands of life. So a little bit of stress can be healthy, right? It keeps us alert and productive. When you have that meeting coming up that you're feeling a little nervous about, maybe a little bit stressed and want to prepare for, that's a good thing. It helps us prepare well for situations. So stress isn't a bad thing. It's just how we perceive situations that can be stressful. However, if we have too much stress, we experience too much stress or high levels of stress over time, it can result in some pretty serious physical and emotional and behavioral symptoms. So before we go on with stress, let's touch on anxiety for just a minute. What is anxiety? That's, you know, quite a buzzword now of, you know, I just feel so anxious or, um, you know, I have, I have a lot of anxiety. Well, what is anxiety? It is the physical response to stress over time. That's very important because anxiety is that mental and physical reaction to perceived threats. So in small doses, anxiety can be helpful again, right? If I'm in the woods camping and I see a bear, I might have some anxiety about the possible danger that could be coming at me, right? That's good. It helps us focus our attention on problems. But when we have anxiety that's too severe or occurs too frequently, then it can become pretty debilitating. And that's often the people that I see in, in my office or the ones that are saying, I'm experiencing just a lot of anxiety. I don't know what to do. It's taking over my life. And so when we have those high levels of anxiety and um, a lot of it, it, it really can become debilitating. So I'm sure you guys may be asking, you know, I've, I've felt physical symptoms of stress. Does that mean I have anxiety? And the answer is no, not necessarily. You can be stressed without feeling anxious. So let's look at some ways that maybe they express themselves. This is just a small list. I feel like these are just the ones that um, are most common. So hear me out that these are not all of the signs and symptoms of stress, but just to highlight a few of acute and chronic, we can experience a lot of headaches. I don't know about you, but whenever I um, feel very stressed, I get that migraine, more so the ocular one. Um, I would like to chime in before going down this list is it's very common, you know, our mind, body, spirit, we're all connected. And oftentimes your body is going to react to your emotional state. So um, sometimes it's backwards. I was just sharing with Michelle uh, over the weekend, um, my body reacts to any kind of stress or anxiety first. And I usually have to backtrack ooh, I'm feeling short on breath, I'm getting that migraine, I'm having that back pain. What am I feeling stressed about? What am I anxious about? And then I can start to reflect on my life. So it's really important to pay attention to how your body is feeling because it can be pointing to a lot of um, what you are feeling emotionally. Super important. So again, you can have headaches, a lot of people can feel fatigued, just want to go to sleep and feel kind of sluggish. Some have chest pain, difficulty concentrating. That's a big one, especially for the students, but it happens at work too, right? You have something on your brain that you're feeling stressed about and it's really just hard to concentrate. Some people have memory problems where they're just, they're so focused on the thing that is stressful to them that they're not even registering being present in the moment. It's hard to remember. Um, teeth grinding is also a common symptom. Um, that can be day or night. A lot of night grinding where you don't even know that it's happening um, until you see the effects on your teeth. 
Um, and then procrastination. I will, I'll touch on that a little bit down the road as well as more of a coping mechanism. That's more of a manifestation of what, how people can respond to stress. But if you start noticing, oh, I'm procrastinating more than I normally do or should have, then that can be a sign as well. Um, but Michelle, I'd love for you to touch on a few other signs as well. That's more so in your field that you can expand on. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're feeling back pain or neck pain, a lot of times that's a sign of stress or maybe you're just overworked. So if we're, we do a lot of sitting, we drive, we, we eat and we're always hunched over. And so we get knots in our upper back and neck. And that's maybe a sign that we need to take a break. We need to relax, pull our shoulders down and back, open up our chest. Our chest typically gets tight. So our pec minor, pec major, those muscles in the front of your chest and our back is weak and then it, it gets knotted up. And so if you're experiencing any of that, it can turn into a headache. So if you have a headache in the back of your head, sometimes that's because your neck is so tight and you need to get on a, whether that's a lacrosse ball or a foam roller, or if you have one of those Theraguns, get in those traps, get in um, your rhomboids or go see a massage therapist. That can really help alleviate some of those knots. And then also we have a weakened immune system when we experience chronic stress. So what happens is our lymphocytes, which is our white blood cells, they actually decrease when you're stressed. So if you think back to a time in your life where maybe you had a really stressful year, and I think about my mom when I think of this, she had a really hard year about five years ago. And during that year, she had strep throat, she had the flu, she had, um, I, I don't, it was just like bronchitis, maybe five or six things where she's normally a super healthy human being, hardly ever gets sick. But that was just a really hard year on her as far as stress. She had a lot of things happen in her personal life. And it really showed so if you guys can think back on a time to think back, oh, that was a tough year. I was sick a lot. So if we can manage our stress in a healthy way, we can help make sure our immune system is fighting at its best. And right now, of course, we want to make sure that that's the case. Yes, thank you. Yeah, it's super important. I mean, it just the way, again, your mind and body and spirit are all connected um, it's amazing to how the way that you take care of your body can really help you manage some emotional distress as well. Um, so let's look at some signs of anxiety next. So these again are acute and chronic and they're just to name a few. Um, I imagine if you've experienced anxiety before that you are looking at this list and thinking my symptoms aren't on there and that's okay. Um, it looks different, but these are a lot of the common um, symptoms that people who experience anxiety can experience. So again, you can have difficulty concentrating again. One of the main symptoms is their mind is racing. So those are the, a lot of those thoughts. That's what I call the snowball effect, where you think of a snow, a little tiny snowball at the top of a hill and it rolls down the hill. And what it does um, is it gathers more snow and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where you're at the bottom of the hill and your snowball is huge. And that's exactly what happens with our thoughts with anxiety. If we start with a thought and now we're five years into the future with the biggest po problem possible, it's that big snowball. And so that's a lot of the, the common symptoms of your mind is racing. You can experience shortness of breath. A lot of that will begin with, with the panic. If you've known people who've had um, some panic disorders um, others have pro uh, problems sleeping. So that's a lot of um, going to sleep or staying asleep. You can have that cortisol spike in the middle of the night where um, is, a, is a sign that you are experiencing high levels of anxiety. You can have chest pressure. That's another panic symptom too, where you're just feeling very tight, feeling very anxious. Um, lack of appetite, that's a, um, a common one where people feel so anxious that it's actually hard to swallow. So um, lack of appetite, not really wanting to eat, only having liquids. And then having that muscle tension that Michelle was talking about as well, that can be a, a physical symptom as well. So while there are all the signs of anxiety and stress may be similar, they're actually clinically different. And that's why context and duration are crucial to look at. So if you have high levels of stress over a long period of time, it can create a physical response in your body. It's the high levels of cortisol and adrenaline and those chemicals that make your bodies prepared to handle those intense things, which we need that. But if they keep pumping over time, your brain chemistry changes. 
And that's when anxiety is clin clinically significant. It's, it's when you feel stuck. You know, I have a lot of clients that come in of, I'm just, I'm in my thoughts all day and I just feel stuck. I can't move. I'm in the fight or flight mode constantly. And so that's what happens in our brain. Our, our chemistry starts to change. And so noticing all of these signs can really help us uh, create a greater awareness of, oh, I'm going towards a high levels of anxiety. Let's take, let's, let's intervene here. Let's help get um, back on track. So I love images. I love to share in images because I feel like a lot of mental health, right? It's, it's not as concrete. And so the more images that I can bring to people, the better. So I use this bucket analogy to flesh out a lot of these concepts. Um, and specifically, let's talk about stress for a minute. So if you look at this bucket, um, there's a lot going on here, but focus on the bucket for a second. And this bucket represents you. And everyone's bucket is different. It's based upon genes. It's based upon life experiences, based upon personalities, maybe past traumas. I mean, it's this is you. Okay. And we're all different. And our buckets are all different sizes. So the size of your bucket represents how much stress you can tolerate. So in the water in your bucket represents the stress in your life. So as you can see, there's a lot of different stressors that are pouring into this particular bucket. A lot of these images represent, you know, some universal stressors that are pictured here. So you can start with trainings or presentations that may um, be a stressful thing for you. Work alone can be stressful um, if you're going to school. Relationships can be stressful. Finances, moving, switching careers, death, chronic illness or injury. Um, and one common one, you know, that is a, is rather triggering for people is just sitting in the unknown. What am I doing? What's going to happen? You know, that started to become the forefront when COVID started, our world is changing and we didn't really know how to navigate it, what's going to happen. And so sitting in the unknown can cause a lot of stress, but remember stress is perception. So what stresses me out may not stress you out or vice versa, right? We could perceive a situation very differently. And if we perceive something as a high stressor, then certainly it impacts how we feel. So the example I love to give when I talk about stress and per perception is about a move that happened for me and my husband about two years ago now. And we live in a neighborhood and we decided to buy our neighbor's house, which is directly behind us. Like our garages can almost touch each other very close. Okay, so I was as soon as we, I found out that, oh, we got the house, that's wonderful, all the stress started to sink in. I was thinking of all the boxes I had to pack, the unloading that was going to have to happen, how am I going to organize the new house, it's a different layout, and make all these decisions, and my bucket started to feel very full, like very full. And my husband, on the other hand, was as cool as a cucumber and just said, this move is so easy. We literally just have to walk across the street. So as you can uh, hear, my bucket was very full and his was not. And it's the same situation. We had the exact same move and we were doing it together. And so as, as what I'm trying to make is, is that even though my bucket was full, and his wasn't, you can see how stress can impact people very differently based upon how they're viewing the situation. So how then, if we have a lot of water in our bucket, how can we help relieve or reduce the amount of stress and or anxiety that you may be experiencing? And that's the difference between coping mechanisms and coping skills. Very different from each other, but oftentimes they can get confused. So I want to flesh out a little bit and um, talk about the difference because coping mechanisms, those are those certain habits that we may have learned along the way from our past, maybe when we were in a crisis that helped us move through those difficult times to relieve stress. You had to do what you had to do to get through, okay? Their purpose is to help dim that pain and uncomfortable feelings. 
but oftentimes it leads us to feeling numb and robbing us from experiencing the emotions we really need to feel in order for healing to take place. So if we go back, well, actually, let me, let me do a, the different, I'll do the beach ball visual here. Um, I use this um, image uh, a lot and it's one of my favorites because it's so realistic. So um, imagine you're in a pool and you take that beach ball and you push it underneath the water for a little bit. It's, it's kind of wobbly and you're thinking like, oh, I got this, but it's, it's hard to hold. Well, I'm going to give it another shove. I'm halfway down the pool and here we go. I'm trying to hold it in place. And let me see if I can get it all the way to the bottom. And as soon as I give it the really big shove, what happens to that beach ball? It pops right back up and maybe sometimes in your face. And that's what I call a, when you have a beach ball moment. It's what happens when we use those coping mechanisms. It's when we don't revisit those emotions that we choose to push down for a while. We're pushing underneath the water. And then when you have a lot of stress and you don't address it, you may experience that beach ball moment of it just exploding out of you. Um, that can look different. Uh, it can look like reacting rather than responding. Very big difference there. So an example would be, you know, if uh, you have a coworker that is asking you to um, put together a presentation and all of a sudden you are exploding on them and it wasn't, um, you know, a, a, a request that was uh, out of range, but for some reason it got you really fired up that they were asking that. Well, take note of, okay, what is going on in my life? What's happening right now? Am I shoving a lot down just to keep moving? What do I need to address here? Because I just had a beach ball moment on my coworker and that, that wasn't fair. Let, how can I respond appropriately and most productively? So um, if you look at the going back to the bucket, you can see that there are the fake water taps. Um, those are the ones in the center of the picture that have those arrows going back in. That means the water really is not draining out. It's going back into the bucket or just not flowing at all. And that's what happens with coping mechanisms. They feel like they relieve that water for a little while, but the result is the water's flowing back into your, bu your bucket. It's like self-medicating. It's really not doing anything for you. And so some of those coping mechanisms can look like um, what I, what we at the center, um, we use what's called life model. And in the life model, uh, they talk about BEEPS, B-E-E-P-S. And that stands for behaviors, experiences, events, people, or substances. And so oftentimes we can use these BEEPS, which are known as pseudo joys to help relieve what we're feeling is uncomfortable or feeling very stressed and they're really not doing anything for us. And so what do some of those look like? It can be inappropriate uh, drug and alcohol use just for the purpose of numbing out the pain or stress for a little while. I just don't want to feel this. I'm shoving it under the water because this is just too much. This is too hard. Like I said earlier in the presentation, procrastination, that is a very common symptom, especially in students. But as we get older and start to recognize that in ourselves um, at work, it can happen too. I just don't want to, um, I don't want to address that right now. I'll get to it down the road. I'm just putting it off. Sleeping too much. Um, that can be a common one or I'm just going to go to sleep. I don't want to think about it. Naps are not bad. It's just how we're using a lot of these things. It's the motivation which makes it the coping mechanism, if that makes sense. So please hear me. All this stuff isn't bad. It's just how we use it. Social withdrawal, that is uh, very common as well. And then suppressing or ignoring problems. And Michelle, I would love for you to touch on the nutrition side, especially the overeating. Yeah, sure. So this is a really common one that we see all the time uh, as a stress uh, coping mechanism is reaching for food. And unfortunately, that's kind of hardwired in because when we're stressed, our cortisol levels go up. And when we have elevated levels of cortisol, we crave 
the sugary and the carb heavy foods. And so it makes us a lot, it makes it a lot harder to withstand those foods that we shouldn't probably be reaching for anyways, especially in stressful situations. And so if we can find some healthy coping skills, then we'll be less likely to reach for the bagels or the donuts or the candy or whatever, however that might be. Um, we really need to do our best to try and reach for the healthy stuff, even in those stressful moments, because it's going to help our body deal better with that stress. And the last one I'll touch on too, Marina, is the numbing out piece. So everybody's got this supercomputer smartphone in their pocket and we use it to distract ourselves from real life. So whether that's scrolling on Instagram or Twitter, and then we're on Twitter and we see the Twitter wars going on and that adds to our stress. So we're not really helping ourselves or doing ourselves any favors there. Or even if we're just at home on the couch and we're scrolling through Netflix or one of the other 1 million streaming services that are out there, we aren't addressing our problems head on. We're really just hiding from them and trying to numb them and putting that water as Marina as using the analogy back into our bucket without opening the taps on the bottom and letting it come out in a safe and healthy way. Yes, thank you for that. Yeah, exactly. And so as you can see at the bottom ones, those are working. Those are the, the, the tabs that are productive and helping you drain your water out of your bucket. But I, I imagine some of you are like, this is great, Marina, but um, water is always going to be my bucket. And you're exactly right, because we live life and life can be really hard. And so what does it look like if water is inevitably going to be in our bucket? How do we engage with those real water taps? How do we um, increase our tolerance to hold the water, but then also let it flow out? And that is the, the difference between the coping mechanisms and coping skills. The skills are the effective water taps that allow the water to drain out of the bucket. And so, Michelle, I would love for you to touch on um, the mindfulness piece as well as the breathing, because I know that those are two really effective coping skills. Yes, absolutely. I'm going to read you guys the definition of mindfulness. I think it's a buzzword that we hear all the time now, but we maybe don't even know what the actual definition is. So it's the physiological process of purposely bringing one's attention to experiences occurring in the present moment without judgment, which one develops through the practice of meditation or through other training. So essentially it's being in the moment and we're not very good at this right now. Even Think about when you're standing in line at the grocery store, you can't just be there and look around or maybe be in conversation with the person in front of you or behind you. We're distracting ourselves. We're on our phone. We're trying to do emails and check out. I'm so guilty of this. We don't just slow down and enjoy the moment, embrace the moment, look around, see what's happening around you. So it's that practice of just being super present. And we do this a lot. I do corporate wellness. I've talked to you guys about that before. So going into companies and doing guided meditation along with a bunch of other wellness events but mental wellness is something that we don't neglect because it is so important so not just nutrition not just fitness but doing a guided meditation with employees in the middle of the workday to encourage them to stop and reset and bring their attention to the here and now we do that with a meditation instructor we'll mic them up you can see in this picture we give everybody these cool headphones and we do guided meditation 10 20 30 minutes at a time maybe once a week, once a month, just to encourage people to start doing that practice of meditation on a more routine basis. The research is there. Meditation is a powerful tool. It helps reduce stress, helps reduce cortisol, helps with weight loss, helps with sleep. Even just three minutes of meditation every day can help with your sleep. And that doesn't have to be right before bed. You can meditate first thing in the morning and the research tells us that it'll help with sleep later that night. So that's one of the really big ways to start practicing mindfulness. Another one are our breathing techniques. So this is another thing to help bring our awareness to the present, help slow down, just be uh, able to take a quick break, step back from whatever we're doing and bring that cortisol down. And so my favorite one is called four, seven, eight breathing. And that's where you breathe in for seven seconds. You, uh, excuse me, for four seconds. You hold that breath in for seven seconds, and then you breathe eight out for eight seconds. Okay, and what this does is it stimulates your parasympathetic nervous system. So you have two sides of your nervous system. You have your sympathetic side of your nervous system, which is that fight or flight, that go, go, go. That's the way that we all live our lives seemingly 24-7 these days. We are constantly on the go. We never slow down. We never take time to just be in the moment, be grateful, just like Chris led us in the practice of gratitude at the beginning of this. That was a mindfulness practice, and that's something that we should all try and do 
on a more routine basis. Um, but that is that the fight or flight, that's that sympathetic nervous system. And then we have the parasympathetic nervous system. So opposite of that, that is what we engage when we do that practice of gratitude, when we do meditation, when we do breath work, think about that as like a parachute, parasympathetic parachute, it brings you down, it calms you down, it lets you relax. So we need to spend a bit more time there and a bit less time in that sympathetic state. Okay, so doing that breath work, the four, seven, eight breathing is something that engages that parasympathetic nervous system. And I want to do this all together. So we're going to do three rounds of this breath. I'm going to do it with you, count you the first two rounds, and then the third round, I'm going to have you do it on your own. But wherever you are, I want you to put your feet flat on the floor. You can put your hands on top of your legs. You can close your eyes if you want. And we're going to take a deep breath in, four seconds in. We're going to hold it at the top for seven, and then we're going to breathe out for eight. And so when you're ready, I want you to take a deep breath in. I'll count it down. Here we go. And breathe in. One, two, three, four. I want you to hold that breath in. Hold it in for seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. And I want you to let it out for eight, seven, six, five, four, three two, one, let's do it again. Big breath in, fill those lungs, fill your belly. Two, three, four, hold it at the top. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, and let it out nice and slow. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Okay, one more time on your own. Big breath in. Try and expand that belly. Push the belly out. Fill up the bottom of your lungs. Get that air all the way down in there. Hold it at the top and then breathe out for eight on your own. Very good. Hopefully you feel a little bit more relaxed. But the key there with that breath work is that you want your exhale, if we're trying to stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system, so that nervous system that brings us down, helps us be more relaxed, is you want your exhale to be twice as long as your inhale. Okay, so if you felt like you were drowning or felt like you were underwater, that was really hard, those, those time frames were too long, go two seconds in, you can hold at the top for two seconds and then breathe four seconds out. Okay, so whatever the exhale is, it's twice as long as the inhale, and that's going to engage that parasympathetic nervous system. And this is such a powerful tool because you have your breath on you always. Whether you're sitting in traffic, you're sitting in a stressful meeting, you're on a stressful phone call, uh, or maybe you're just feeling some kind of stress while you're sitting at your desk. Your breath is always there. So take a quick break and do three rounds of that breathing where the exhale is elongated, and you'll feel better immediately. Okay, Marina, back to you. Oh, I love that exercise so much. <laughs> it's so calming. Um, that is, uh, again, a very important um, skill that you can use anywhere. I know I, fe I feel a lot of stress when I am on an airplane and I find myself doing those breathing techniques and the person next to me doesn't know I'm doing them. But what it does, like Michelle said, it engages the parasympathetic nervous system. It tells your body, hey, I am in control and I'm calming, I'm getting myself out of the fight or flight mode. It's super helpful. Um, I also wanted to touch on, um, you know, when Chris had shared about the gratitude, I also love that too, of just a form of mindfulness. And just to add a little extra nugget to it, um, there in Life Model, it talks about how appreciation and gratitude is just like packaged joy. And the brain trained on appreciation and gratitude will actually search the environment for good things to enjoy, while the untrained brain will look for things to criticize and complain. And so one of the authors of Life Model um, talks about a challenge. And if you do uh, feel appreciation for three times a day, for five minutes each for 30 days, Doing that exercise will reset our thermostat and our nervous system and recalibrates us for joy and peace. That is huge. That shows just the power of gratitude and the way that it changes our brain. It's, it's, I could go on that topic forever. So I love that we started with that exercise and it's also just a way to really help you de-stress and recalibrate your nervous system. That's huge.
Marina, can I chime in real quick? Please do. So one of my, um, I was, well, I don't know where I learned this from, but I love it so much. So it's, it's, there's a lot of research done around it too. It's called Three Good Things and it's the same concept, but at the end of the day, you take an Expo marker and you write on your bathroom mirror, three good things that happened to you that day. And so it's just taking the time to think about from through a positive lens, I need three, three good things that happened to me today. So it's on the forefront of your mind, you're training your brain to look for the good, you write it down. And then the next day when you wake up in the morning, it's the first thing you see, you walk in your bathroom, you look in the mirror and you see those three good things that happened to you yesterday. So you're ending your day with positivity, you're starting your day with positivity. And just like Marina, you said, it's training your brain to re-see the world through a more positive lens. And so I think that's a really powerful practical tool that we can uh, incorporate into our lives to help mitigate some of this stress and see things through a more positive lens. Yes, absolutely. I love that one. Three good things. I'm going to write that on my mirror. I love that. Okay. <laughs> yes, that's a good one. Yeah, so let's go to the next one. And oh, another way, you know, we were talking about a lot of this is, you know, our thoughts and, and um, helping us be in the present moment. Another way to help relax our body, right? Whenever we're in the state of panic, and you're starting to feel that anxiety come over you, how can we then also relax the body, not just with our breath, we can do what's called a relaxed muscle body scan. And so what you can do, well, first of all, let's say, as we mentioned, it's, it's um, common to feel stress in a particular spot in your body. So like we mentioned before, in your shoulders, in your neck, I have a spot in my back that as soon as it pops up, I'm like, oh, there we are, I'm stressed. Um, so, but what's interesting is that once your body is relaxed, can you actually be anxious at the same time? And the answer is no, because it's all connected. So if you're able to relax your body, it helps your mind then relax as well. And so a quick example, I'm not going to do the whole body scan, but just to give you a little taste of what that would look like um, is they have lots of meditations. I don't know, Michelle, if that's within your library as well, but um, they have the meditations where um, you focus on a particular area of your body and you squeeze it really tight. So if you just do the example of, I have um, an orange in my hand and I'm going to squeeze and try and get all of the juice out of that orange, you're, you're creating a lot of tension in your, in your um, hands and in your fingers. And you're holding that and squeezing it really tight, noticing the tension, and then you release it. Okay, so that's a really powerful one. You can start from the bottom up, starting with your feet going all the way up to your head and into your face. Um, but you can feel that tension release. And it's really common. This is a really common practice that's used with clients who do struggle with stress or anxiety or even trauma. And not only does tension help you, releasing tension help you feel better, but when your body's locked up and has tension, the frontal lobe of your brain, the thinking area, turns off as well. You're in the fight or flight mode. And so you need to help calm that down, engage the parasympathetic nervous system that Michelle was talking about. And the more relaxed you are, the more able you are to respond and think clearly in the way that you want to in a situation. So it's all connected. The other one is decatastrophizing. This is a technique I use often in the office, and it's something you can certainly do on your own. If you are experiencing high stress or high anxiety, this targets a lot of our thought life. Um, it challenges those irrational thoughts that may seem really real to you at the time when you are in an anxiety-provoking situation. But if you think of that snowball analogy, the snowball is rolling down the hill and you are now looking at this giant snowball that's going to happen five years from now and you're feeling anxious right now. Okay, so um, it's taking the what ifs and putting them into reality. So if you're afraid of something, you keep asking yourself, okay, and what if that happened? Okay, then yes, and what if that happened? So an example would be, you know, let's say, you're afraid of crowds, okay? So I would say, okay, you're afraid of crowds. Um, what are you afraid of in crowds? Well, I think people are judging me, okay? And if they judged you, what would happen? Then they wouldn't think well of me. Okay, that makes sense. And if, if they didn't think well of you, what would happen? I feel rejected. Okay, great. That big snowball is rejection. I'm fearful of rejection. Let's talk about that root. What's that like for you? 
So usually the root can be, you know, rejection, fear of failure, fear of disappointment, something along those lines. Um, but it, it's, it's something to be aware of. It's to help you move through this particular fear. And you can ask yourself, so if all of this did happen, if I did get rejected, would I be okay in a week? Well, I'd probably, you know, still be pretty hurt by that. Okay, how about next month? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd be okay. It just wouldn't be enjoyable, sure, but you'd be okay. How about next year? Yeah, probably would be okay next year. And usually the answer is yes, right? You will be okay. So you're gonna face that worst outcome, that big giant snowball at the bottom of the hill and realize it will be okay. So it actually, it, I call it the snowball melter. It's not going to create that really big snowball for you. It helps melt that giant thought to bring yourself back into reality and, and um, calm yourself down within your thought life. So the other last few are seeking professional help. Um, that is certainly something, you know, uh, counselors, fitness coaches, right? All of those people that can come alongside to you uh, when you are feeling stressed. But the last way to really engage in some coping skills is engaging in your own self-care. Um, oftentimes people think self-care is being selfish and sometimes it can be skewed in that way that life is all about me and that's not what I'm saying here. Self-care is actually an intentional act so you can continue pouring out to others and I used to volunteer with an organization, Inherits of Hope, and I want to give them credit because we came up with this acronym together. Um, but they say self-care is a gift. And you break it down to G-I-F-T. And so the first um, part of that self-care is a gift is give yourself permission. Give yourself permission to uh, say that things are hard. Right. Oftentimes we want to just say, oh, I'm fine. It's OK, but I'm just beach balling it. Right. I'm just pushing it on underneath the water. Just say that it's OK. Give yourself permission to say sometimes life is just really, really hard. Doesn't mean that you're weak. It's just giving yourself permission to say that the eye is intentionally caring for your body. That's exactly what Michelle has been talking about in our time together. It's so important. The connection of mind, body, spirit, intentionally care for your body in those specific ways. And you have Michelle as an awesome support to help you with that too. The F sounds very counseling-ish, but hear me out. It's feel your feelings. Okay. We can only feel, heal as much as we feel. So allowing yourself to give yourself that permission to say things are hard. And also, what am I experiencing in this hard time? Allow myself to feel it, not to, to, to uh, uh, stay in it, but to give yourself permission to say, oh, man, I'm feeling really hurt. or I'm feeling really anxious about that. And then T is trust your support. The people that want to come alongside you and say, hey, I know you're going through a really hard time or I see that you have a lot on your plate or that your bucket is really full. Let me come alongside you and bring you a meal or take some uh, something off of your plate. So trust that. Allow them to come alongside you because we were made for that. And so, Michelle, I'd love for you to touch on to just some of those other ways as well as I know that you guys offer a lot um, yeah. as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Marina. So exercise, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about exercise. Exercise, if you've ever seen Legally Blonde, releases endorphins and endorphins make you happy. That is a true story. So if you are not interested or not currently exercising or interested in exercise, I really recommend for your mental health, please go outside, go for a walk. It only has to be a walk. It doesn't have to be going to CrossFit five days a week. A walk is going to help you with those endorphins and help you feel better. Uh, if you look at the research between exercise and antidepressants, they're exactly the same with their outcome. So that's pretty powerful. So get out there, do some exercise. Also, try and reach for those healthy foods. So when we get really stressed out, we get some inflammation going on in our brain that can be um, added to with the inflammatory diet. We've talked about inflammation in our foods, soybean oil, canola oil. Those are fried foods or just oils that are found in our processed food. Those are going to add on, pile onto that inflammation in the brain. They're going to add to that brain fog, add to the stress that your body's feeling. So if we can reach for the healthy foods, 
foods that are more natural anti-inflammatories, we're going to feel a lot better. We're going to bring the inflammation out of our brain. That's going to help with our stress. Meditation is a powerful tool. So whether that's meditation through an app, there's great ones called Stop, Breathe, and Think. There's Calm. There's Headspace. Check those out. Maybe it's a yoga studio near you that has Yoga Nidra. That was the practice that Marina was talking about where you uh, go through the body. It's a full body scan. You recognize that part of the body and you uh, breathe some love and some intention into that part of the body. You do the whole body. I know that sounds really woo-woo, but it's incredible, very powerful when it comes to stress management. Uh, read a book, take a break from social media. I deleted my Instagram two and a half, two years ago now. It was the best thing I ever did. Uh, you really realize that that's the highlight reel. It's not real life. Your friends that love you and want to be in touch with you, they will stay in touch with you and you'll stay in touch with them. It doesn't have to be through social media. Um, it's just a negative, negative place right now. And maybe it's just a temporary break. You try it for a month and see how you feel. That's kind of where I started. I said, I'm going to delete the app off my phone for a month and see what happens. And here we are over two years later, and I have yet to put it back on my phone. It just felt too good. So take a break from the news, get rid of some of those negative influences in your life and see how you feel. I promise you'll feel better. Yes, that can make such a difference. Yes. <laughs> So um, overall, you know, in just sharing of how to care for yourself, how to engage in some of those um, coping skills, you know, and just talking about trusting your support, um, guys, we, we were made to do hard things, right? Our buckets are going to be full at some point, and we as humans have the ability to come uh, overcome some of life's greatest challenges. So my hope in, in, in sharing this with you is not to say, you know, run from every problem that you have, and, um, but to know that, you know, we're resilient people and we can do these things, but we also can have those skills to help us, but we're also not meant to do life alone. So if you or someone you know is experiencing high levels of stress or anxiety uh, right now or, you know, possibly in the future, just give yourself permission to reach out. You know, there's various levels of support that you can tap into. You can have social support, such as family or friends and mentors, pastors, fitness and nutritional coaches, and professional support as well, just to help you process those complex emotions and teach those healthy coping skills that, you know, could just be very beneficial to help you in those difficult times or to be proactive in those times to give you those skills, you know, before those times do come um, because hard times come. And so to give yourself permission to, to have others come alongside you in that. So I'd highly encourage that. But um, I am so thankful to have come alongside you guys and shared something I'm so passionate about in this field. So thank you for having me. I would love to tap in if anybody had any questions. I don't know if we have time for that or not, but um, would love to leave that if so. I think, we, <clears throat> I think we do have time for questions. Here's one comment, though, that actually kind of goes along with what you're saying. This is uh, Chris. Um, and let me turn my video on there. Sorry. There we go. Um, I turned it off again. Hold on. There we go. So the one thing I found is this was um, in a book recently called um, Trust and Inspire. If you look at your grandparents or you go back every hundred years since the beginning of time, so let's call it from zero to 100, 100 to 200 and all. We had all knowledge in the world doubled about every 100 years. Now, interestingly, with the event of the computer chip back in the 1990s, all information in the world doubled every 18 months. Today, remeasured because of computer learning and uh, artificial intelligence, all information in the world doubles now every 12 hours. So if you look at anxiety and you look at the bucket of you're facing more today in your 12 hours than your great-grandparents faced in their whole life, you also start to understand maybe why we're not coping as well as, as they may have. So anyway, just a thought. I, I want to throw it out there. Any comments on that? Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. That just shows a lot of <laughs> what is really thrown at us and the importance of caring for yourself in the midst of what the world, um, the present world that we are in. That's huge. That makes me stressed thinking about that. <laughs> and I'm grateful that we're able to have this call to talk about it. Yeah, it's quick. <laughs> so the question is not just on us as, as adults, but I've noticed is a lot, and maybe you guys can comment on this, is the same, uh, let's call it COVID stress or whichever, something's exacerbated the teenage stress. So I know you work with adolescents and teens, but I've got a teenage girl 16 and 
And I often see, you know, a lot of what's going on just in the interactions of between them and how quickly friends change and how social media changes at all. And you don't have to talk to people. Is there anything around that that we can take also, um, like you said, reduce social media, reduce news, but is there anything around that you guys think is super important as well? You know, I think that's a great question. I often find that teens um, do not feel as though they are given permission to feel some of those things, which is why I, I stress that. Um, for you know, parents or caregivers or coaches to come alongside teens and attune with them. Um, just a really quick uh, breakdown of that, just simplistically with your right and left brain. Your right brain is that subconscious part, right? That, um, that wants somebody to uh, feel felt in their pain. And so when they're feeling stressed or anxious and they don't have somebody that's older than them or their attachment figure to really help soothe them in that space, it's hard for them to problem solve already because their brain is flooded. They can't think straight. And so a lot of times when you have the kids and teens coming with anxiety, it's allowing those people around them to step into their world too. Not to say, you know, not to agree or disagree, but to say, hey, I see that that's really hard for you. And then they're like, oh, yes, you get me. Now I'm starting to self-soothe. Now I can now I can problem solve. And so they're learning that way. It's, it's kind of replicating your, um, your dominant brain to help them in that space. Maria, do you think parents struggle with that because they didn't grow up in the same era of social media? And so it, those problems that stem from whether it's bullying on social media or whatever it is that might be coming from social media, parents kind of blow it off because they don't understand how how big it is in the in the kids view. Yeah, I think it can go both ways. I think it can be an overprotective and underprotective. Um, so where parents, you know, may want to shelter them from everything and not give them the, the empowerment to problem solve. Mm -hmm. um, so then, you know, once they go on their own or they have these problems, they're like, whoa, hold on, I don't know how to navigate this. So it can be, you know, more of like the helicoptering of parenthood, but then also the, yeah, the parents certainly don't know how to relate and that's okay. I mean, you don't always have to relate to have empathy, but to, to step into that child's world that may feel so foreign could be hard. I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Interesting. Marina, I had, a, I had a question in your example, your moving example, and how you dealt with the stress and, and how I have to feel like your husband also, you know, felt the stress, but maybe, and I think of this because it's super relatable. My wife is very, you know, she expresses herself very, you know, she's very good at it. And I'm much more introverted and, and probably am really good at burying and compartmentalizing and, and a lot of those things. And so I almost feel like over the years, I've gotten really good at just sort of burying the stress and almost ignoring it to a certain extent. And I just wonder, um, how do you, I mean, if you don't feel the physical signs, how do you know whether or not you're stressed if there's none of those physical signs there and you've just gotten good at sort of putting it in its place. Yeah, sure. So you're a great compartmentalizer, which actually is a great skill too, right? Because you can use that as a way, and especially in crisis mode, where when you guys are walking through a hard time, it's not going to affect every area of your life. There's, there's a lot of skill in that. Um, but the important thing is when you are encountering a, a stressful time is that while I compartmentalize that I also am diligent um, and intentional in returning to the processing part. So if I'm just compartmentalizing and then shoving it under the rug or like we said in the beach ball, I'm pushing, pushing, pushing. Um, you'll start to notice some of those effects emotionally, right? Maybe I'm more snappy with my wife or, um, you know, things are, you're not responding in the way that's true to yourself. And so I would say to return back to those moments of, okay, that was a stressful time last week. Let me reflect on that a little bit. And that's fine too. Everyone processes it very differently, but if we don't return, then we are just ignoring it. And now it's building again. And Is that helpful? It's super helpful. And I think some of the skills that you guys walk through from the breathing and the meditating can also be super helpful to those compartmentalizers 
right? Mm -hmm. To kind of in the science behind it that you guys have been, you know, teaching us is so incredible that you can actually train your nervous system, you know, by doing certain things and you know, the negative bias that we're all born with, right? That, you know, when you see the bear in the woods, you're, you're to protect ourselves. We know we have to get out of it. And it's one of the battles that we deal with every day, which is if it hurts, I don't want to do it anymore. And when you're an investor and you see your accounts go down in value and you hear all the bad news, you want to be done with it. And so, and our job is to kind of teach humans not to act human <laughs> or not to fulfill those, you know, those, those desires to say, okay, it's time to get out or it's time to flee. Um, so addressing that negative bias, trying to turn it into a positive lens with positive focus, with gratitude and appreciation. And the fact that it's not just going through the motions, but it's also training your brain to be more common sense, optimistic, full of gratitude so that's i took a lot from that that's yeah. awesome yeah thank you so one thing uh this is Christody again one thing that we did is in one of the groups i'm in i probably stole it from somebody i can't tell you where i stole it from but we put together a list and typically people put together to-dos lists and they feel obligated we instead put together i'm better when i list so i'm better when i run in the morning I'm better when I read the Bible. I'm better when I, so I've got a list of about 15 things that I'm better when I, and whenever you feel that anxiety, what I find is I run to that one and I go, I'm better when I, and then you pick something on a list and you know what? I think you've given us three or four more things to add to I'm better when I list. But to me, that's so much more effective than the to-do list um, in that bigger picture. It's just something that might help others as well. And, and you know, I don't know if your research is, you guys have the same thing, just listed in a different way. I love that. Yeah, me too. I love that I'm too. Good. So then I made it up. I'm the founder of that one. I'll trademark. <laughs> <laughs> I, I found that was in it. And then to support your others, uh, the founder of the iPhone just this last week wrote an article that he is lamenting almost the invention of the iPhone. It wasn't Steve Jobs, the gentleman who gave him the idea to put it together. But he, as he's watching people walk around the world with their phone like this in front of everything, both taking pictures and with his net missing out on the very aspects of life that it, he, he basically had no idea what would morph into what it is and how kids basically this is physically attached to them on a constant basis with snapchat instagram you know all the stuff we're saying and then it, they're missing out on the moments of actual living in life i thought it was an interesting article so it supports what you're saying too those are the the, the last couple of things i wanted to add so there's so much anxiety on there around foam and i think there's the biggest fear maybe you didn't mention fomo Fear of missing out is the single biggest fear I see on a constant basis because now you know everything that's happening. Anyway. Yes. Yes. It has certainly uh, changed our world. Absolutely. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. We're, we're just over an hour at this point, and we had one really comment that came in on the Q&A, and uh, I thought it was pretty interesting and kind of related to what Marina was talking about. He says, uh, my wife and I have a saying, there's only one room, there's only room for one in the crazy boat. Relates to those incidents where one of us seems super stressed and the other one seems so cool and in control. <laughs> <laughs> Very relatable, yes. <laughs> right? Oh, that's absolutely outstanding. No, I love that. That's a really good point. I think the last one I asked my, my daughters in that same line is I go, who drives your bus? So it's who controls your mind? And that's the biggest thing I find is once you learn to gain control, because my, my daughters, they can play with each other and, you know, drive one towards a little bit more anxiety than the other or, or anger. But what I realize is who drives your bus? And I say, it's a great exercise. She's trying to drive your bus right now, but you drive your bus. I think it's for me as an adult, teaching it helps me understand it too. So I drive mine. The only one that makes me mad, the only person that really makes me mad is sitting right here. <laughs> It's my responsibility. Once you take responsibility for everything, stop pointing the finger at somebody else. It makes a big difference in that gratitude as well and responsibility. But you guys really, thank you so much. It's tremendous information in what we do. And I love how it ties in. But I think the beauty of it is, you know, health isn't just physical. Health isn't just mental. It's also spiritual. So when you put the three together, they're triunal. And, and I really think it makes a difference in joy. And joy is a bullion that comes from the inside. So you guys are helping us tremendously. Thank you. And credit of Michelle, always thank you as well, because it's you guys are foundational to what we do and clients have reached out to you with their parents issues you know we have something as well if you're having you know uh, one of the biggest worries of retirees is memory 
It's not their health. It's not their money. It's actually losing their memory. So as we go through to some of this, these are some of the things that people worry about today with all the information coming in. So you guys are helping us tremendously good on this list of how can we attack these things? Give me three things that I can do. Um, any last, <clears throat> if I was to put them in order of importance, give us, maybe let us go away with three things that you guys think are most important to do to take away from today, from what you said, just three things, what would they be? Uh, mine, mine would be some sort of mindfulness practice. So whether that be meditation, gratitude, just being being aware of where you are in the present moment, do that breath work three times a day, do the gratitude practice, just some sort of mindfulness practice. That's going to be my one. Marina, I'm going to turn, give you the other two. Well, I think one of them is just that you, you we're all resilient. It's within us um, and that uh, you have the ability and just to be patient with yourself, offer yourself that grace. Um, but then also, I mean, just kind of what I closed with too, of just that we need each other at the same time, you know, and so we're not meant to do this alone. We're not created to live life alone. And so um, reach out to the people if, if you need help, if it's feeling really overwhelming. That's awesome. Gratitude, mindfulness. Um, we have resilience, be patient with yourself and then reach out to others and do this together, which I think is community. And that's super important. I appreciate that. That's fantastic. Tim, any last comments? No, this was excellent. Thank you guys for, for walking us through this and we know where you are and uh, we will reach out. So much appreciated. And uh, we'll, we'll be sure to put a recording of this online and get it out to our clients that weren't able to participate in it. And um, again, just thank you. Very yeah. valuable. Thank you guys so much for having us. This is great. Mm -hmm. Much thank gratitude. You. Thank you. Thank you as well. Awesome. Have a great few months here, everybody, and we'll get back. Any questions you have individually for them, feel free to address to each one of us as advisors, and we'll forward them and connect you with, with them both as well. So thank you again. I appreciate it. Congratulations okay. to both of you as well for all of your coming uh, life achievements and moments are going to be fun. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Retire While You Work podcast. I'm David Adams, and I hope you'll continue to join us as we discuss creative ways to manage your time and money. Any opinions are those of myself and not necessarily those of Raymond James. Expressions of opinion are as of this date and are subject to change without notice. The information contained in these podcasts do not purport to be a complete description of the securities market or developments referred to in this material. The information has been obtained from sources considered to be reliable, but we do not guarantee that the foregoing material is accurate or complete. Every investor situation is unique and you should consider your investment goals, risk tolerance, and time horizon before making any investment. Prior to making an investment decision, please consult with your financial advisor about your individual situation. Any hypothetical examples are for illustration purposes only. Actual investor results will vary. Raymond James does not provide legal or tax services. Please discuss these matters with the appropriate professional.